Is this wine the color of our president's hair? Oh shit, don't do that. Okay. <laughs> Please tell me you got that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make Derek do that as the cold open. Yes. <laughs> this is the Make America Grape Again podcast. Produced and recorded by Cody Burkett, the Arizona Wine Monk. In this podcast, we explore wines from all 50 states in the United States of America. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Make America Great Again podcast. I'm your host, Cody Vladimir Burkett, CSW. And I'm not. Neither are we. Neither Neither are we. Welcome uh, to some folks that have not been on the podcast. If you guys would introduce yourselves. Sure. I'm Bob Dixon, 1764 Vineyards. Julia Dixon, 1764 Vineyards. Lisa, wife of Gary, is shaking her head vigorously, even though she did say something like she said she would. (laughs) And you know me. (laughs) Today, we're doing North Carolina with the Hinnant. Hinnant. Hinnant Family Vineyards. Scuppernong, sweet white table wine. This is one of the only wines we've done so far. It might be the only wine we've done so far that I can say I've been in this vineyard. Tell us about the vineyard. It's in eastern North Carolina. It looks just like every other eastern North Carolina muscadine vineyard in that it's completely different from a vinifera style vineyard that you think of. They're pruned very differently. Instead of having the cordons with the arms and this, the canopy going straight up, the trunks are about five feet tall. And then the cordons come across a top wire. And I forget the name of the style, but everything just kind of grows up and drapes over. Huh. And hedging these vineyards is a lot of fun because you have hedge trimmers strapped to the back of a quad that you just drive down the road. Why are you with No, it sounds like, sounds like fun, but you've got the hedge trimmers going and you just... Mm-hmm. That yeah. must be nice. Yeah, it's a lot easier than, than what we got going on out here. Yeah. Not unlike how pecans are pruned. Jesus Christ, Cody. To silence your phone. Fuck off. I brought you Scuppernong. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> I brought everyone else here Scuppernong, too. It's quite uh, the... we, we've all apparently, it's yeah, been decided it's... that this is the bottle apparently we will pound tonight. Yeah. Uh, even though we have multiple other wines in our stash to examine uh, this afternoon. But uh, this is our first Scuppernong, uh, which is a muscadine varietal. Uh, Muscadinia rotundifolia, completely separate genus and species from vinifera. Although it's able to be crossed with vinifera uh, and vitis species, though. Uh, according to um, one of the charts I was looking at for the pedigree of another muscadine varietal that this is not, uh, Carlos. Carlos. Um... This is fun. What are you guys all getting? 
Magnolia for sure on the nose. Um, you said cotton candy. Um, you get this sweet. This is this is dessert wine. This isn't. This isn't table wine. <laughs> so in North Carolina, this where is, they drink sweet tea, they drink sweet and wine. Sweet coffee, they drink sweet wine. This is a table wine. This is. Mm. And actually, as compared to a lot of other sweet or dessert wines I've had, this is much more quaffable than yes. say like a sauternes or um something with botrytis uh, something else with botrytis rot mm -hmm. um or an ice wine for for that definitely more drinkable than an ice wine yeah um i'm pretty sure cough syrup is more drinkable than ice wines <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've had a few that were okay um i but even the ones that are really, really good, you want just a couple of sips of, and then you're done. Yeah. But honestly, it's like, I understand the appeal that you all have to want to pound this. Because even though I know that I have, you know, a long drive tonight compared to the rest of you all, um, it's taking every ounce of willpower I have not to fucking down this. And pound it. Because mm -hmm. even though it's sweet, it's refreshing. Yes. It's not like cloyingly disgusting sweet. Like, you remember the Pinot Grigio we had that was back sweetened. Mm -hmm. This is nothing like that. This is like a legitimate, well-crafted, beautiful sweet wine. And you would hope it would be because they've been doing it long enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, That's right. The, so, the... so tell us more about Scuppernong specifically um, before I go into the book. Because... Uh, you actually had some cuttings of Mother Vine. I did, and then I gave them to Julia, and I have no idea what happened to them. They went the way of the dodo. That's not surprising. <laughs> it's sorry. not nearly human enough out here for that. It, we tried. We did try to keep them alive. We set them in water, and that was it. It yep. just... Can you put one in the earthship later? Yeah. We'll grow one out there. So, the Mother Vine, uh, for those who know not what we're talking about... Uh, not to be confused with the mother ship. Take us all home. Is uh, the oldest cultiv probably the oldest cultivated the oldest cultivated grape vine in America. Yes. It's somewhere over seven hundred years old. One single organism. And it's beautiful. And it makes these wonderful gigantic grapes that taste exactly like this wine. Yeah, kind of, you know, you were describing earlier before we started recording as the experience of just like plucking these off the, the vine. Mm -hmm. So with most vinifera wines, they taste nothing like the grapes they're made from. This wine tastes exactly like the grapes it's made from, which is something new and different. Yeah. I want to pair this with a really sharp cheese, mm -hmm. if anything. Nutty, crispy cheese. And a white-fleshed fish. I can see that. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, Scuppernong, um, according to the Big Red Wine Book uh, by Genesis Robinson, <clears throat> Scuppernong is probably one of the oldest... Sorry. Scuppernong is probably... I'll eventually get this right. Yeah, let's make the dyslexic person read it. Uh, Scupper... 
Hey, do you guys want to read? Sure. <laughs> if you want to... It could only be worse if you ask me to read it. Yeah. <laughs> and you've already vetoed this once uh, before. Are the words lo uh, longer than four letters? Probably. Oh, shoot. You're in trouble now. Another one syllable? So, uh, yeah, uh, Origins and Parentage. <clears throat> Skeperon is probably the source of one of the first American wines, as well as one of the rare cultivated representatives of the American Vitus uh, Rotundifolia. <laughs> so they called it Vitus Rotundifolia, as opposed to... That is just in the past <clears throat> few years, a genus change. Okay. It is a dark purple buried native species of the southern U.S. that is often referred to as the muscadine or muscadine grape. It is thought to be a green, a greeny bronzed buried mutation of a wild Vitus rotundifolia vine, um, Godus 1982, that grew on the outer banks of North Carolina, a, a chain of barrier islands uh, in the Atlantic off the coast of North Carolina and Virginia. However, when and where the first vines were cultivated remains unknown. <laughs> Indeed. But we know the mother vine is definitely the, the oldest still living. Um, so this is a grape that's actually indigenous to the state that we're talking about. Um, it was also actually named uh, the North Carolina's official state fruit in 2001. Um, apparently also uh, Thomas Jefferson praised this wine as one that would be distinguished on one of the best tables in Europe for its fine aromas and crystalline transparency. Uh, however, Jefferson's patriotic comment must be read with caution because at that time Scuppernong was closer to fortified grape juice than the wine. Uh, thanks. Well, let's be honest, it's still pretty much fortified grape juice, but it's damn good. Yeah, it is delicious. Um, viticultural characteristics of how it's just as simply described as bronze berries, low in sugar and high in acid. Pretty much. It grows wild all through North Carolina. I, there was a wild muscadine. It was a red grape, <laughs> but still a wild muscadine. On the way to my bus stop going to grad school, that couple of days a year, I would be able to stop and pick the wild muscadines on my way to the bus stop and then I eat them all. That just sounds terrible, right? So, we know the history of North Carolina wine, again, begins with colonization because uh, of Scuppernong and the mother vine. I am pronouncing that correctly, right? Scuppernog? Scuppernog, not Scuppernong. Scuppernog, yeah. Okay. Hard G at the end. Scuppernog. Sorry. <clears throat> so anyway, uh, in the mid-19th century, of course, before Prohibition, 25 winers in North Carolina with extensive independent vineyards, uh, which meant that North Carolina dominated the market at the time. Uh, the Civil War ended that market dominance, um, and then uh, Prohibition. Uh, which was repealed in 1933, and North Carolina immediately passed laws in 1935. Uh, but it took a while for the industry to really grow. But now, North Carolina ranks 10th in both grape and wine production in the U.S. Wow. Uh, according to Wikipedia, in 2007, North Carolina contained 55 wineries and 350 vineyards. Uh, in 2011, 
uh, 100 wineries and more than 400 vineyards. There are four AVAs, uh, four AVAs in North Carolina. You've got the Hall River Valley AVA, Swan Creek AVA, Upper Hawassi Highlands, I may be mispronouncing that horribly, I'm sorry, AVA, and the Yadkin Valley AVA, which makes me think of Yavin Ford for some <laughs> weird reason. Um, so, the history of modern North Carolina wine uh, begins largely 1950 uh, with 10 farmers in Onslow County, which planted 25 acres of Scuppernong. Um, and the buyer refused, there was originally a buyer set up, um, and they refused to buy them. So Raymond A. Hartsfield, one of the growers, actually opened a winery called Onslow Wine Cellars at Holly Ridge. Uh, and then uh, Richard's Wine Cellars in Virginia encouraged North Carolina growers to grow grapes for him. Uh, there were 150 acres of muscadines alone in 1962 in North Carolina. And uh, the acreage was doubling 1965, so the legislator actually appropriated uh, 1,066, wait, appropriated $166,000 just for muscadine hmm. stuff. So you could argue that muscadine was the main driver for the North Carolina wine industry. And then later it expanded into other regions like where you used to work at Raffaldini. Yep. Um, that's out in the Swan Creek AVA. Okay. Um, Duplin Wine Cellars, which, is, this is connected to Duplin, isn't it? No. No, Duplin is different. They're different, but they make, Duplin also only does uh, Scuppernog, or not Scuppernog. That's right. The difference between Hinnant and Duplin is that one has a lighthouse, and then Hinnant is all airplanes, if I remember correctly. Yep. Same theme on the uh, bottle label art, but different families own them and they're made in different places and different vineyards. That's how she feels about the muscadine? That's how she feels about the dog. Oh. But I think we all feel this way about the muscadine too, to be, to be honest. Most of the time when we're recording these episodes, I'm swish and spitting. This one I'm on my second glass of, and I have no regrets about that. Cheers. Cheers. Let's make America grape again. This was an episode of the Make America Grape Again podcast, sponsored, produced, and recorded by Cody Burkett, the Arizona wine monk. You can reach us at makeamericagrapepodcast at gmail.com on Instagram at at the AZ Wine Monk, or on Twitter at CV Burkett. Be sure to also check out our website, MakeAmericaGrapeAgainPodcast.com. I'm Gary. You can find me on Instagram at Greater Than Wines, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Greater Than Wines, and by email at GreaterThanWines at gmail.com.